Get the gloves ready, buckle up, strap in. The Yankees and Rays rivalry is about to get even juicier than the steak dinner. Our producer, Jake Brown, still owes me and Nelly. We will preview the ALDS best of five series. Can the Yankees overcome their struggles against the Rays and move on to the ALCS? The post Ken Davidoff joins us live from San Diego to break down the series and make his prediction. Nelly and I will also chat with two-time World Series champion, who knows a thing or two about a clutch postseason home run in a Yankee uniform. That's Jim Layritz. It's all next on a playoff edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Welcome back to another playoff edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. I'm Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, former Lockdown Yankees reliever, four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson. You did not want to face that slider, trust me. Give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Chris Sheeran, yes. Nelly is at NYNelly43. Make sure to catch up on all episodes of the Pinstripe Pod by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us a five-star rating and write a positive review. We appreciate it. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, or Google as well. Joining us today a bit later in the show is a friend of the program, the post Ken Davidoff. We also chat with two-time World Series champion Jim Leritz. But first, as always, we welcome in my co-host, and four-time Yankees World Series champ, that'd be Jeff Nelson and Nelly. If anybody knows me out there, they know I'm a huge Rocky Series fan. And this, <laughs> this series between the Yankees and Rays has kind of a Rocky two feel to me. It's Rocky and Apollo standing in the middle of the ring, trading haymakers until somebody, you know, they both go down and then just one gets back up. We're going to make predictions in just a bit, but don't you see this being a knockdown drag out five game series between these two teams? I do. And, and you know, I, I, I can see some benches clearing a little bit as well. I mean, this is a really good rivalry. I, you know, this is the stuff that when I was playing, this is what you had against the Red Sox. And now that the Red Sox are so bad, you know, the Rays have all of a sudden taken their place and, you know, with the chip on their shoulder. And I think 2020 without not having any fans in Yankee Stadium really benefited them. But, you know, this is a big rivalry when you have Kevin Cash coming out saying the things, you have Snell, you have all the Brousseau. I mean, you have a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, you look at game one and it'd be interesting to see what you think. I think game one is so important for the Yankees to win because if you let the Rays win this game, all that regular season, the eight games Rays favor to two games the Yankees, that creeps into the Yankees' head, even though I kind of don't want to say that anything bothers the Yankees, but I think game one, if they get beat, I think that creeps back into the Yankees' head. You know what? I, we talked about this before the Indian series, and I, and I think, Nelly, it's the same thing as the Cleveland series. I'll get your thoughts in just a second, but I'll set it up for you here. Cole was going against Shane Bieber, and Bieber probably going to be the presumptive AL Cy Young Award winner. And the Yankees went out and just absolutely destroyed him. They set the tone with LeMahieu and Judge immediately. I think the same thing I thought with the Indian series. If the Yankees win this game one against Snell, because he's been almost unhittable in the postseason, and he's just he was so good in the regular season as well. But if you win Cole's start and the offense keeps doing what they did against the Indians, especially against Snell, 
I'm going to go back to Rocky for a second here. When he cut Drago, I mean, I don't want to be over the top here. That's another Stallone movie. I got to stop before, before Nelly reaches through the computer and jokes me. But I just think this could be a situation where the Yankees win that first game. And I think this could be a steamroller like it was in Cleveland. Game one was more important for the Yankees to win than actually the Rays to win. Even though I don't see Blake. Blake Snell, I've known him forever. He's got a great mindset to him. I, I don't see him giving up a whole lot. He, now, if this was at Yankee Stadium, then I can see the Yankees really beating up on him. He doesn't do well at Yankee Stadium. But now that it's in San Diego, and it's pretty much neutral ground, obviously, I don't see him giving up a whole lot, maybe two runs. But he's a guy that doesn't go deep into the game either. And, you know, Kevin Cash allow him to go five innings. If he goes six, it's a miracle. So, you know, his pitch count gets up there. The Yankees can actually do that and maybe get him out of the game a little earlier and see if he can make a mistake with that fastball. I mean, he loves his fastball. He does throw hard. I don't see a whole lot happening on both sides. I see through the first five or six innings, probably a one-run game, two-run game, either both sides. But I think this game is so important for the Yankees to win, not just because Garrett Cole's on the mound. I just think mentally, with the little chip that the Rays have on their shoulder, and they think that, okay, this isn't Yankee Stadium, no matter if it's Tropicana Field or out in San Diego and Petco, it doesn't matter. They have that chip, and they think they can carry that into this division series. I think it's really similar to that first game against Bieber and the Indians, Nelly. And here's why. Because Bieber has that wipeout curveball, and that's how he had most of his success this year. That was his out pitch, and the Yankees laid off that. Snell has that wipeout slider. And if the Yankees are able to have those good at bats against Snell and they attack his fastball and leave that slider down, I think they could get on him. And maybe this isn't a one-run game. Maybe they could do the same thing to Snell that they did to Bieber and get that offensive confidence going here against the Rays and flip the script from the regular season. What are your thoughts on that? Could be, but when, when they were in Cleveland, the weather was a little iffy. And when it's cold out, it's really hard to get a grip on the breaking ball. And Bieber didn't have that problem during the regular season because the weather was always nice. And even in September, he really didn't have a great deal of that cold or that, that bitter cold where the baseball becomes slick. They're going to be out in San Diego and it's going to be decent weather. They're going to start at five o'clock because of the time zone, you know, eight o'clock on the east. Snell's going to be able to get a good grip on that breaking ball because of the weather. He's going to have the sweat. He's going to have everything going for him. So a little bit different as far as the feel you know, the grip on the baseball. I understand where you're coming from. This was Bieber's probably what his first postseason appearance. Was that his first postseason appearance? I'm not I'm, sure if it was. I'm not aware of that, but I, I see your point and, and I know yeah. where you're coming from with the weather. You're absolutely right. I didn't even factor that in, but that's a great point on your part and you've done it. So you would know firsthand, obviously. You have to use some uh, substance to get it, get it better. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for another show. Uh, or we could just ask Michael Pineda to give us his neck for a couple of seconds. Yes. But we don't have a game two starter for the Yankees yet. We know Cole's going against Snell. The Rays have announced Glass now for two and Charlie Morton for three. Aaron Boone hasn't named a starter for game two. You would assume it's Masahiro Tanaka but he hasn't named it yet. I think these matchups, Nelly, I, I don't want to talk about the San Diego Dodgers series. I mean, we can because that's such another electric series for Major League Baseball to have in this division series round. But these two series between the Dodgers and Padres and the Yankees and Rays, this is exactly what Major League Baseball needs, especially in this shortened season. I think these are going to be epic series between these four teams. Oh, I agree. You know, it's going to be very exciting, especially what happened during the regular season with the Rays and the Yankees. Even Tanaka. I mean, you look at Tanaka in Cleveland. That weather was terrible. Terrible. And 
He shouldn't have been out there. That that was terrible. Couldn't get a feel for the ball. You know, his splitter, everything was up in his zone. He got hammered after the first, you know, four runs in the first inning. So San Diego, as far as the weather, it's going to benefit both sides. And even though Hap ended the season, his last five out of six, six out of seven, were really outstanding. I just can't see you going away from Tanaka in game two. You know, especially if you lose game one, just say, you're going to have to win game two. And I think Tanaka might give you the best shot. Well, that's the thing about Tanaka. You know, he got hammered in the first inning, which was delayed by rain. And he went out there in a monsoon, which we talked about in our last podcast. And we talked about how awful it was for MLB to throw both Carrasco and Tanaka out there in those conditions. But he proved what his worth is in the postseason once again, Nelly. He settled in and settled down and gave the Yankees some length. It could have been a lot worse than what it was. But in true Masahiro Tanaka form, he gave them length. So I don't think it may be a little bit of gamesmanship by Aaron Boone because he could say all he wants that what Cash said didn't really affect him or bother him. But what Cash said after, now look, let's be honest, what a role this Chapman did over Brosseau's head, it was scary. And we talked about this before, but I'll bring it back around. Cash, you have to understand that was three minutes after the game ended. He was in there with reporters. He was sticking up for his guys. Some people had a problem with it because he was saying he had a whole stable of guys that throw 97 and harder. And if they want to play this game, we could play this game. I know that was wrong. And I know he got suspended for a game. And I know that was inciting. But at the same time, put yourself in his spikes. Okay. Uh, He's sticking up for his guys. He doesn't want to go up there and not have any heart or any vile for the Yankees. After that happens, I mean, I give the guy credit, maybe not for inciting what he did, but for actually sticking up for his guys. No, I agree. You know, I, we, we said it. I said, I don't fault him for at all. I mean, what Chapman did was absolutely wrong. I mean, you right. could kill someone, but yeah, you can. this is this is what makes a great series. You know, I think the Yankees are going to take it at heart. They don't forget that stuff. And the Rays aren't forgetting either, you know. They still have that chip on their shoulder. And I think by not being in, you know, switching stadiums, going back and forth from Tropicana and Yankee Stadium, I don't know where the home field lies. I don't know where the advantage lies, but the Rays become less intimidated by the Yankees. We're going to see. Game one is going to be very interesting to see the Yankees offense and to see if they can continue what they were doing out there in Cleveland. It's prediction time, Nelly. Prediction time. I will defer to you this time. I went first last time, so I will defer to you. We're also going to ask Ken Davidoff in just a bit what he thinks about this series, who he thinks is going to win. But first, I will defer to you, partner. What do you got? How many games? Who's going to win? I'm going Yankees in five. I think this is a five-game series. And the reason why I like the Yankees in five because Cole I like a little bit better than Snell coming back on short day's rest. And I think Stanton has a big series. Uh, you know, he's in, he's a California guy. This is where he, you know, even though there's not going to be any fans and he's not going to be able to see his family, I think he has a big series. Cole's a California guy. Higgy's a California guy. Aaron Hicks is a California guy. There's Aaron, Cal- Boone. <laughs> Aaron Boone. There's California guys everywhere. I agree with you. And I really do think game one is the crux of the series. I think for the Yankees' confidence and to – basically shut up the chirping in the Rays dugout. I think they have to beat Snell. I think they have to go out there and win game one. I agree with you. I want it to be a five-game series. I want it to go to five because I do agree with you. I do think Cole on three days rest is going to be better than Snell if they throw him back out there on three days rest. Yankees in five. You heard it here first. 
Nelly and Shearney both agreeing. And uh, yeah, I just think the Yankees, the way their offense was in Cleveland, I think they continue that. And I think we're looking at the Yankees in the ALCS. Yeah, I want, I want the Yankees in Houston. I want the yes. rematch. I'm going to take the Rays in five, which means the Yankees will win. So I just want to give you guys good voodoo because whatever I say, it goes the opposite. So there you That's go. That's the Met fan right there, there for you. All right, we got Jim Leyritz coming up a little bit later. But first, we're going to hear from our pal, Kenny Davidoff. Joining us now, friend of the program, Ken Davidoff. You could follow Ken on Twitter, at Ken Davidoff, and read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. And in one of his recent columns, Kenny said, turn baseball water into wine. Well, he's known to turn word water into (laughs) wine. Kenny, your columns are finally aged and it's a pleasure to have you on once again <laughs> thank you Sharon. Good to be on. <laughs> you're welcome i'm gonna jump right into this series and i'm gonna tell you what my main concern is and i want to get your thoughts on it the only facet of the yankees that really bothered me in that first round against the indians was the bullpen and that's my major concern against tampa in this next round what do you think about that well for sure the bullpen was the biggest concern coming out of that wild card series i think the beauty of the rays is they can expose you every which way you know so if you were asking me you know what do i think the yankees top concerns are heading into this series I, i'm not sure i'll even nail down one area just because of the way that rays just thoroughly dominated the yankees in the regular season well kenny i mean you look at i don't know if anybody really thought them getting past the indians especially with the, the way the indians pitched you had bieber you had carrasco the offense didn't show up, but the Yankee offense did. So with that being said, you know, everybody's pretty much saying, oh, you know what, the pitching staff with the Rays, when you have Snell, you have Glass now, and you have Morton, how are the Yankees going to be able to get through that? And, uh, you know, to you, what where do you see this series going and how is it going to wind up? I have the Yankees winning it. I do think the Yankees will win. I, before the Indian series, we had a forecast the whole month. So I yeah. asked the Yankees over Indians, Yankees over Rays. Look, I think they're coming together, really. I mean, those two games against the Indians were very, very impressive. When you talk about, you know, you're right, the Rays, these top three are are, are damn good. Snell, Glassnell, Morton, but Shane Bieber's going to win the Cy Young Award. I mean, yeah. Shane Bieber was the best, and they manhandled him. My God, they just really crushed him. So I think they're in a good place mentally, timing-wise, everything. When you talk about Stanton, when you talk about Judge, Sanchez is Sanchez, but even he had some big at-bats in that last series. So... I think if the Yankees win, and I think they will, it'll be because primarily of their offense. Kenny, you brought up two names in that last sentence, Stanton and Judge. And that leads me to another one of your lines from your column, and that's lengthening the lineup. And I think that has been key so far for the Yankees in the postseason. I know it's only been two games, but getting both of those guys back in there, seeing LeMahieu get the base hit, hitting it the other way like he always does, he always gets on. Judge comes up, first pitch he sees, bang, Yankees are up 2-0 on the AL Cy Young Award winner. Let's be honest, Shane Bieber is probably going to win that. But you put Judge and Stanton back in that lineup, and it lengthens that lineup, and it just makes it unhittable. And this is what Yankee fans, uh, not unhittable, it makes it very, very, uh, the hits are going to keep coming like an oldie station for crying out loud. But this is what Yankee fans wanted to see. They wanted to see this lineup healthy, and finally, Kenny, we're getting to see with our eyeballs that what this Yankee team really is. Yeah, and to me, Stanton is such a huge factor because he is such a hot and cold guy, right? Right. Such a roller coaster. And he does nothing in game one until his last at-bat, and he hits a garbage-time homer. 
And someone, I remember it wasn't me, someone asked Boone after the game, like, do you think that could be a launching point to someone for Stanton? And I was thinking, man, that's an overly optimistic outlook. <laughs> uh, but lo and behold, you know, he hits the first run of the game for the Yankees in game two. That is a big sacrifice fly, which I think is big for Stanton because he's Huge. such a three true outcomes, swing from his shoes, guys, and just to be able to do what he could with that at bat, a couple walks. So if John Carl Stanton is locked in, wow. Well, and that being said, you know, you look at the Rays, and right now they don't have the Yankee-itis. You know, they're going into this series, no matter if it's out in San Diego or it's a Tropicana field, they're not afraid of the Yankees. I think, my opinion, game one will set the tone for the whole series. If the Yankees go out and dominate game one, then I, I feel they win. If the Rays go out and dominate game one and they beat Garrett Cole, then all of a sudden maybe the the tables turn a little bit and, and it, all of a sudden that regular season eight to two, the Rays start creeping in. Yeah, I think there's a very fair outlook, Nelly. I, I think it would be very interesting if the Rays win game one. I My hunch is that Hap starts game two and for whatever Hap is, I think he's pretty unflappable, as is Tanaka, who I think would probably be game three. Uh, so it would really, you know, the burden would fall on those guys to, to, you know, to shoulder that load and, and, and control things early and let the Yankees get off, off their feet from your theoretical game one loss. I want to bring up Cole. And I want to bring something my partner brought up in our last podcast, Kenny. He said, throw the regular season numbers out the window. And I, and I want to give Nelly credit here because he's absolutely right. Cole against Tampa in the regular season in his career is 0-3 in seven starts with an ERA over four. And in the postseason, he's 2-0 with a .57 ERA against Tampa with a 118 batting average against. Do you buy into that too? Just throw out the regular season numbers based on what I just said. And do you think he comes out and he matches Snell inning for inning and, and we have a we have one for the ages here in game one? I certainly think Cole's going to pitch very well in game one. I get what you're saying. The throughout the regular season numbers. Also keep in mind how well he pitched in September with Higashioka. Absolutely. Uh, which he which was not the case when he pitched against the Rays. So I you know I think there's that playoff angle and also the the Higgy angle. And I think both work to Cole's favor. And the one thing I think with the Rays, I mean Snell's not a guy that goes deep into the game. You probably see him maybe five innings and he's out. Does that benefit the Yankees? I mean, the Braves have a good bullpen. I mean, they just may they may have just as good a bullpen as the Yankees. For sure. So no, I don't I'm not sure that necessarily benefits the Yankees. No, I, right. yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of a weak spot, a weak link on the on the Rays staff, obviously the, the game four starter would be a weak link just because their top three guys are, are so good. But yeah, if you're talking about the bullpen, even though they don't have a traditional bullpen, yeah, anyone can close for them. Anyone can come in at any time. Yeah, they have a bunch of weapons there. We had a, another Ken on on our last podcast. That's Ken, Ken Singleton. And Kenny, I asked him about a bitter rivalry from back in his day. And, and he, and he of course, had the Yankees when he was with the Orioles. And he had more than that. And, and it seems like this between the Yankees and Rays seems like it's a budding rivalry. Look, it's not Yankees-Red Sox. But how much do you think the chirping uh, plays in here? I'm not talking about beanball theater between these two teams, but it got really chippy during the regular season. So do you think that plays a lot into the series here? Oh, for sure. I don't think there's going to be any brawls. You know, I don't I, that would <laughs> that would surprise me. I don't think it's going to be 03 ALCS, uh, Nelly. But uh, yeah, they don't like each other. And like, you you know, when you talk about the Chapman throwing at Brousseau, and then with the words Kevin Cash said that night, you know, we remember those words. I mean, he got personal. 
And for a manager to go after another manager and his coaches, right. as Cash did that night against Boone, I mean, wow, that's that leaves a mark. That leaves a bruise. <laughs> and there's a little doubt. You have to wonder, you know, Aaron Boone will announce his game two starter or beyond beyond Cole in game one. You have to wonder whether he just partly just wants to mess with Cash, you know, because it's it's really personal between those two at this point. No, it's ironically I heard that they are staying in the same hotel, which I have yeah. no idea why. And when Gardner's run through a couple of the players and just nodded, I, you know, I think this is a great rivalry. I, I think, you know, during the regular season, I didn't think that the Rays were intimidated at all. I mean, even Blake Snell came out and said, you know what, it's not the same because the Yankee fans, there's no fans at Yankee Stadium. So it's a little bit easier to play there. You know, you go out to San Diego, there's not going to be any fans. You know, it's a neutral site. Who does that benefit? Does that benefit the Yankees? Does that benefit the Rays because there's not fans and, and they're not as intimidated as they, as they were if they played at Yankee Stadium in, in front of fans? Oh, I think it definitely benefits the Rays, Nelly, because let's face it, Tropicana Field has no atmosphere. <laughs> no environment, uh, even when there are fans there. And I don't care how battle-tested or veteran a team you are, when you go into a full Yankee Stadium and in October and it's rocking – it plays a factor. And yeah, I remember, I think I was there the night that Snelt said that and I agreed with him. Yeah. It's just right. not the same without those fans. So that definitely does hurt the Yankees. What about the weather? I mean, this helps both teams. I'm, I'm staring at it right now over the next five days, Kenny, and, and I'm looking at highs in the eighties to upper seventies and lows that don't get anywhere lower than 63. And that's for the five game series. If it does go five, I mean, that benefits both teams. Masahiro Tanaka is not going to have to go out in a monsoon, you know, whatever game he pitches. So th this is going to be great. And going to San Diego and doing this bubble is fantastic in my eyes. Yeah, and that's, you know, Nelly, uh, you mentioned why they're staying in the same hotel. It's kind of in the spirit of what the NBA did, you know, in terms of putting everyone in, in a bona fide bubble. And that's what they're doing, I believe, with all four sites for the division series. And, yeah, the weather is going to be fantastic, which is nice after last week in Cleveland. It got pretty freaking wet and cold there. Look, it's it's 2020. It's going to be fascinating. I was just there today for their workout, and, you know, they're having fun uh, trying to hit the building in left field. <laughs> building. And Eric Kratz ended the day with his moonshot to the top tier. And it was fun seeing them have fun in this bizarre environment. Well, the one thing that they're going to start is 5 o'clock. So as far as that marine level coming in because i remember playing in anywhere in california that when you take batting practice at four or five o'clock the ball flies you, you know the ball is getting out whether it's la anaheim san diego you you name it once seven o'clock hits once game time hits next thing you know it's like dead so they're going to be playing at a time that it actually carries so that could benefit the yankees a little bit more than the race i agree that's a great point Nelly. kenny davidoff you could follow him on twitter at ken davidoff and read his stories in the post and at nypost.com Ken, in San Diego for this series, we look forward to your columns, buddy. Have a great time, and thank you, as always, for jumping on. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Take care. Joining us now, a Yankee legend, Jim Leyritz. He's the real Jim Leyritz on Twitter. He's a two-time World Series champion, infielder, and catcher, 1996 and 1999. He also has a new job that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but first, Jim, 
And by the way, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. The first, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but for our new listeners out there, maybe people who haven't heard the entire story, can you, just for some good juju as we start this Yankee series, can you take us through the Wallers at bat, please? And let us reminisce a little bit along with the man who was there in the batter's box at the time. Well, yeah, I could do that, but I, I would really like to first start off with saying uh, we're celebrating an anniversary today of the walk-off 15-inning home run against Mr. Nelson Seattle oh in 1995. That ended like at 1 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yep, yep, One thirteen in the morning and off Tim Belcher, yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. cameramen are trying to uh, – film him walking up the ramp and he was like pushing them all over the place that was an oppo taco wasn't it that was an opposite field yep yeah, just over jay buner's head that was actually the anniversary today but yeah that was that was a great moment and then of course nelly joining us in 96 got to be part of the, the mark waller's home run in game four that so yeah. no, that means like three days from now will be the anniversary of us beating the Yankees. <laughs> exactly. Of me waiting for the ball. I still have the vision, Nelly. I still have the vision of the ball. I'm still waiting for that ball to get to me before Griffey does. <laughs> exactly. You were at the plate, I remember. That's yeah. the fastest I've seen Ken Griffey Jr. run ever. And I was holding a crucifix and praying. Didn't work. I think it took Gerald Williams like a year to get to the ball, by the way, down the left field line. Exactly. You know, I still have that ball. Oh, you do? Really? I never I oh. never gave it to him. I had it in my catcher's bag. I put it right in my catcher's bag. And I didn't even think about it until we got back to New York and I opened up my bag and I still got the game-winning ball. <laughs> I told I told Jimmy, I mean, I played against Jimmy in the minor leagues when he was in Albany when he played for uh, Showalter in 89. And Jimmy was one of those players that you could not stand on the other side. (laughs) If I wasn't a righty, if I was a lefty, then I would want to drill him every time because he just just pissed you off all the time. Was he twirling the bat in Albany? step out i'm like well who the hell is this guy and then and then you become teammates and i told jimmy i said jimmy i hated to play against you and i said when you're but then when you're a teammate you absolutely love the guy and see those type of players are the ones that you play with because those guys piss you off when you're on the other side but when you're on the same team he was one of the greatest teammates well, and I think that's you know one of the things I kind of got that mindset the way I played, the way I handled myself was when I used to watch Pete Rose and you know watch Pete Rose growing up. This was a guy that he didn't care. He left it all on the field. He didn't care who liked him, who didn't like him. Bottom line is he was going out to play the game as hard as he could, as much as he could. And I was a little crazy, you know. I I, I remember uh, Roger Clemens. I used to ask Roger all the time because I like three three ninety lifetime off Roger. I always used to ask him, "How come you've never drilled me?" And he said, "Because I think you're psycho." <laughs> I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, I go, what do you mean? He goes, every game, for whether you're playing or not playing, he said, you stand on the front step of the dugout and you yell to the opposing pitcher that's warming up, you got nothing, you got nothing. And he goes, you were nuts. He goes, for somebody to do that, I just, there's no, I, I thought you were crazy. So it kind of works sometimes to have that kind of crazy attitude. And that's what Nelly, I think Nelly, that's what you're talking about is I used to really piss off the other team, but it was that competitive nature, that competitive I want to try to intimidate or I want to try to you know, do whatever I can possibly do to have an advantage. That was kind of the way I approached things, even when I wasn't the lineup. For I actually loved throwing to him, too. I mean, he was a really good catcher. I really enjoyed throwing to him. I remember but we can tell it now because we're not playing anymore. We were in Kansas City and I think it was 96 and we had a four game series in the middle of summer. 
And I threw three days in a row, the first three days. And I think Jimmy caught a couple and we had a day game on a getaway day. And so, you know, it was a nighttime. So we're, we're going to go out. We stared near the plaza. And I think it was, was it Kevin Nealon, the comedian that was playing or, or th- doing yep. the show? Yep. Yep. So Kevin we're like, Nealon. okay, there's no way I'm pitching four days in a row. And Jimmy was like, well, I, I don't catch this guy. I'm not catching either. So we go out and I think we stay out to like, what, four, we, after his show, we sat around and we drank with him. I don't think we came in till four or five. And guess what? Jimmy's catching and I wind up pitching and it happened to be probably a thousand degrees on the turf or wherever it was in Kansas City. You're like, you got hey, yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yes, that was crazy. That was crazy. Uh, hopefully you drank a lot of water, guys, and you were able to get through that. No, that's, we that's we sweat out whatever way. we drank that night. I know that, <laughs> but we did a, we did win. I did well. Jimmy did well. That's all that mattered. Exactly. Okay. When it's time to perform, you guys always always rose to the occasion and you got the job done. Let, let me steer it back, Jimmy, to uh, hitting in the postseason and pressure because we saw this Yankee team. This season in the first round against the Indians, uh, the bats came to play. And that was a worry for Nelly and I going into that series because these Yankee teams the past three years, the offense hasn't really been consistent, but they were consistent in both of those games in Cleveland. That's something that your teams were also very prolific at, and that was being consistent at the plate. So take me back to that moment. I still have that picture from Brandon Steiner, by the way, that you wrote out the entire story. It's hanging in my office about how that how that home run off Waller started the dynasty, and that's the God's honest truth. You don't hit that. You guys don't come back from that situation. You're down 3-1, and who knows where that series goes after that. That was that wasn't a huge it was gigantic when you hit that home run off Waller. Just take us through that at bat and what happened. Well, you know, that's another moment that Nelly and I got to share together because he was actually pitching at the time. Uh, you know, when I hit the home run and um I came in and, you know, he got it, he gave me a big hug and said, great job. And I mean, it was one of the situations where I went up to bat, not never facing bowlers before. And, you know, with, with runners on first and third, just trying to drive in a run by making contact, you know, because this guy threw. I remember I, I asked Don Zimmer, I said, what's this guy got, Jim? He goes, he throws 100 miles an hour, get ready. So when Zim told me that, I asked Daryl Strawberry, I said, Straw, I got to catch tomorrow. Can you give me one of your bats? Because if this guy's throwing 100, I only got two left for the game tomorrow. I, I don't want to break one. Let me use yours. So he, t- he gave me a brand new Mizuno bat out of his bag. And I went up to bat with that. It was a situation that uh, the first pitch was a 98 mile an hour fastball. I fouled it straight back, or at least it looked like I fouled it straight back. And if you really look on the, the brand new bat, it was the first swing. There was a mark on the label of the bat. I was so far behind, but it looked good. And then he threw me two sliders. And then he threw me another 99 mile an hour fastball that I fouled back again. And I looked this time, it was a little bit further down, but it was still, you know, in the barrel of the bat. All I could think about was, okay, if he comes inside, I'm, I'm done. So I took a half a step off the plate and I got away. And I think as a pitcher, Nelly can tell you that if, when you see a hitter make an adjustment like that and you see the plate open up more, you start thinking something else. And I think Walters thought that he could throw a really good slider and get me. And he threw me a good one the first pitch. And I barely fouled it off. And then the second one, like I said, I thought for sure he was coming back in and he w- went away and I was looking away and I just, he just happened to hang it. And uh, it was, it was kind of neat to go back and watch the highlights because I felt like it was gone, but I looked back and I see the guys on the vet all coming off the bet going, is it gone? Is it gone? You know, yeah, it was a pretty big moment. And 
All I can think about, in all honesty, the one thing that I can think about running around the bases is because we just tied the game up. All I can think about was if we don't win this game, that it's just another footnote like the Seattle home run that I hit in game two when we end up losing the series. And as soon as Wade Boggs got that walk to put us ahead and we won that game, I think Nelly can tell you we walked into that locker room and we knew that we were pushed it. We had pushed the series back to New York and the Braves did not want to go back there. And that one thing that to this day, Andy Pettit thanks me every time. He's like, if you don't hit that home run and we don't win that game, I'm pitching an elimination game and I'm probably not getting any sleep. As soon as we won that game, I slept like a baby because it wasn't an elimination game anymore. And he was able to go out and pitch that, that great game five. I want to know the mindset that you you had, you know, every time you came up in a big situation, because it seemed like you rose to the occasion every single time, whether it was 95, whether it was 96. Well, you look at 1999, you hit the last home run uh, before the millennium. It just seemed, I mean, even when I played against you in double A, it just seemed like every single big moment you were there, and it takes a special kind of mindset to be able to do that. That was something that was instilled in me at a very young age. My father was a type of dad that if I went three for four in a game, why didn't you go four for four? If I scored 20 points in the basketball game, he'd say, why don't you score 30? You know, he was Bobby Knight type of guy. But really the most important thing, Jeff, in, uh, what happened to me was when I was a 14-year-old kid, I used to go to spring training with Tommy Brenneman. Uh, whose dad was Marty Brennan, the announcer for the Reds. And we were bad boys. And we used to be down in the locker room. We used to stay at the team hotel. And, you know, Pete Rose was my idol. I used to pick up the balls in the batting cage when Pete would hit extra during spring training and always talk to him and just listen to him. And one day I said to him, I said, you know, how are you so good in big moments? Because he was that way too. And I said, you know, you, you, Every at bat, you 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 watch the ball in the catcher's mitt. You run down the first base, head first. I said, "What is it?" He said, "He said, Jimmy, if I could give you any advice that could make you to be able to ha- understand those situations and handle big pressure moments, it's this." He said, "I don't treat my first at bat in spring training any different than I do my last at bat of the World Series." He said, "I look at every at bat as it could be my last one, and therefore I need to do something." And he goes, I never given a bat away. I never get caught up in the big moment because every moment to him, you know, he made every moment, every at bat important. And I think that's kind of what my mindset was that for so long as not being an everyday player, if I didn't play well that day, I didn't play the next day. So I don't think I ever, I ever took it at bat off as far as my thinking goes. I think when I was up in those situations, even though, you know, you look, I look back on him now and I'm like, holy cow, you know, I got Jane Fonda and Ted Turner doing the tomahawk chop. You know, <laughs> all these things that are going on around us that I was able to kind of just think about this as just being another at bat and not this big moment. And I really think that helped me in those situations. And that's why I had a lot of success in those. You know, that sounds kind of like the, the Niners Bengals Super Bowl when Montana and the Niners were down before he throws the touchdown pass to John Taylor. And he gets into the huddle before that last drive. And he just looks into the audience and casually says, hey, guys, look, it's John Candy. And then they go entirely down the field like a hot knife through butter. Poor Boomer and he loses the Super Bowl. And Montana has another one. But yeah, I mean, how you could just shut everything off around you and do that to me is amazing. But that's why you're a professional ball player. And and as far as your childhood, Jimmy, I mean, being able to sit there and pick the brain of one of the best baseball players that ever walked the earth, 
That's not too shabby either. I want to ask you this for Yankee fans and for myself too, because your homer won that game against Nelly's Mariners, but there was another homer. Donnie hit a homer too. I want to know what was louder. Donnie's home run, your home run, or Girardi's triple in game six in 96? What was the loudest you heard the old stadium when you were there? Well, you got to remember, 1995, the whole year was about Don Mattingly. Because we all knew in the locker room that this was his last year because the if you ever saw what he had to go through just to get on the field, you knew he wasn't going to do this another year. And Buck really made it a, a, a point to say, guys, we're winning this one for Donnie. We're going to get to the playoffs. And once we got there, and then for Donnie to hit that home run in game two, that, you know, Lou, Lou had to pull the entire team off the field because it was going so nuts, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, and I think that was probably the loudest. I mean, my home run, it was loud. But you got to remember, it was one fifteen in the morning. I can't tell you. I can tell you about five thousand people that I talked to that said they went home that night because their wives didn't want to sit through fifteen innings of the game. They heard it on the way home, and they watched it on TV when they got home. So it wasn't a completely filled stadium at that point. And then, of course, ninety-six. Did you already triple? That was a, a pretty loud explosion, too. Yeah, you know, Yankee Stadium, the Kingdom, you know, they, they were the loudest. The Kingdom was the, by far during that last month and even into the playoffs. You had to yell to the person next to you to talk to them. It was so loud. And then Yankee Stadium was ridiculous as far as the loudest outside stadium I ever played in. And and what an unbelievable atmosphere that was. But real quick question on this year's team. You know, you've watched it, I'm sure, a little bit. Any concerns, anything that you see them maybe having trouble with the Rays? Oh, okay, you know what? Now they've locked it in. They're going to get past the Rays. It's no problem. Well, I think I'm like you guys. I, you know, I kind of looked at this team, you know, with all the home runs and all the, you know, the way they swung the bats. And, you know, they did have some pitchers that could shut them down, usually the number one, number two guys in the past. And that's been their big Achilles heel. And to see what they did to Cleveland in those first two games, I was like, okay, this is very encouraging because, you know, this is a team that can beat a number one, number two starter. And, uh, of course, having Garrett Cole on our side to be able to go out there and pitch, I think that's a huge advantage also. But this is a team that could win easily if they're able to hit, you know, Blake Schnell. And I know the Tampa, what's Tampa, I think, eight and two against the Yankees this year or something like yes, that. Correct. Yeah, so – I mean, you know, there's some dominance as far as the regular season, but I was really, really encouraged by this first round that the bats came alive as much as they did against the better pitching, which is usually, the, like I said, the Achilles heel of the Yankees. And I do think, you know, with Cole pitching, that he gives that pitching staff just that one extra guy that they haven't had in the past to be able to get that first important game or that third or fourth important game uh, that's going to be in, in this type of series. That is definitely the difference maker for sure. Before we let you go, Jimmy, I mentioned you have a new job during this pandemic. It's with BioPlanet. Can you just uh, describe that for us and what you're doing with BioPlanet and what it is? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, at the beginning of March, I was down in Tampa. Matter of fact, Nelly, I think you might have been down there too. But I was in Tampa doing appearances, and then everything got shut down. And I had just re-upped with the Yankees this year to start doing appearances again in the stadium for the suites, Nelly, like we always do. I was going to get an apartment in New York. I was going to spend most of the summer up there, do 60, 70 games. It was going to be a whole new thing. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit, and I lost that job. I lost my New York real estate job because I couldn't go to New York and do my real estate work because uh, everything was shut down. And so we were kind of panicked. Well, a buddy of mine owns a company called BioPlanet, which makes these electrostatic spray guns, electrostatically charged like a chemical that kills the MRSA viruses on the cruise ships. And all of a sudden, he became like this overnight 
$20 million business and do a $200 million business. And he called me up and said, Hey, listen, I know you're probably hurting. You, you know, you want to come to work for me and see if you can't, you know, make some money to get by. You know, this is pretty easy work. Everybody's going to need these things. And so I've been working for this company again called BioPlanet. And uh, it's been something that's kept me afloat as far as financially uh, because we didn't know. We, my wife and I were looking at each other going, uh oh, what are we going to do? You know, our life was really New York based from April till October every year. And we weren't going to have that. We didn't know what we were going to do. So we were blessed to be able to have this. And it's kept me busy, but I'm looking forward to all of this being done and gone. And next year, being back in the stadium and working for the Yankees again and, and seeing Nelly at some appearances and doing some things back there because I think. Once this election's over with, uh, we're going to get back to some type of normalcy. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, hopefully that's the case. Jim Lairitz, we appreciate it. A World Series hero, legend, and champion two times with the Yankees. It's always a pleasure talking ball with you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Great talking to you. Thanks for reaching out. That says, hasta la vista, baby. To episode 33, the David Wells edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review, if you please. If not, Apple, get us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. For Yankees great Jeff Nelson, that's four-time World Series champion. Jeff Nelson. I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll be back on Thursday after games one through three of the ALDS. It might be over. It might not be. We'll talk to you then. Stay safe.